morning, church. It is truly just um, so good to see you all. It's been a while, and it's home. We come here, and we're so blessed to be able to just to catch up with with some of you, <laughs> with so many of you. Um, this thing is sliding here. I got to share something with you. My biggest fear coming here this morning, today, when Brian asked me uh, uh, last week or so, or a couple weeks ago, I don't recall, was the pulpit. <laughs> what I envisioned was men's conference here, and um, Luke was up here. I don't know if you guys know Pastor Luke, and he's just a little taller than me, not much. And he was up here, and he's like, whoa, you know, this is right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I came in, and I was like, oh, God, thank you so much. <laughs> um, it is a pleasure to be back. You know, God is so good to us, and it's amazing uh, what God does. Do you know God wants to use your life? Amen. Boy, you guys are convinced, aren't you? Do you guys know God wants to use your life? Yes. Listen, um, Wayne and, and the team was just up here. What an incredible testimony, an incredible thing. And I remember when they started going, and, so, and I remember speaking to Wayne before then. And, and that story repeats itself over and over and over and over again. God will use the man and woman that wants to follow him, that loves him, that says, here I am. It's not about talent. It's not about all this ability. It's not about, it's not about anything except being obedient to Jesus Christ and the call that he's placed in your life. That's what it's about. And in a place like this, I know just in, the, in this service here, I know that there's men and women here that have heard the call of God, that they've been praying about it, they've been thinking about it. But listen, if you don't move, nothing will happen. Trust Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we get the privilege and the honor to minister in a time like no other. We're in the last hour, guys. I hope you guys know that. We are so close. Our, the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is so close. And we get to minister now. Share the gospel. Let the world know that there's a God in heaven that loves them, that wants to save them, that desires to forgive their sins. Amen? All right, but I better share what's going on at the church. We got to stay, let's get going here. Lord is good. God's word is exciting. Amen. Well, let me share a little bit about the church. Brian, uh, Ryan, and I'm sorry, Ryan and I get excited, so I, I you know, <laughs> Ryan and Doug and the others they they kicked me out about four years ago. <laughs> In a few minutes with me, you'll know why. <laughs> I said, it's time for you to go. And it was in an opportune time during COVID when it started. <laughs> um, listen, and, and it was such, a, such an incredible thing how God moves. He doesn't move when things are, are like perfect and so forth. Everything is perfect. Everything's right. Okay, now's the time. No, he does it when you least expect it. When things are all seem to be falling out of place, that's when he does it. So they kicked my wife and myself out. But we're back. <laughs> anyway, I want to share a slide with you what the Lord's been doing. Uh, this pictures were taken uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we have a young lady there. She's so wonderful. Um, actually, this, this one is from summer. Uh, we had uh, 
it's just one of the uh, baptisms that we had, and you can go through the pictures here. It was such a blessing. It's just right outside in the, in the alley in the parking lot of the building there. Um, I could say so much about how God moved in his moving and the work he's doing, um, but really th- there's not sufficient time. What I'll say is this, just really quickly. Um, God moved in a time that was uh, where other churches were closing down. At the time, there were other churches' buildings were closing down. God said, go downtown and pray for a building. And um, there was a handful of us. I mean, there was, there was no finances, no nothing. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. But Lord, it's, it's your church, it's your kingdom. So my wife and I went downtown and we prayed. And uh, Don, who you saw on there, same thing. He had gone down there as well. And uh, God had prepared a building for us already. He had done it. When we met with the owner, it was an incredible thing. Because when you look at it from the front, you think it's offices. And you go upstairs, and we came in at the time, that room where we have children's ministry. It was a conference room. He met with us in there. And he said... um, Do you mind if we pray? (laughs) And I said, no, please, let's pray. And he showed us the building and he showed us that area. By the way, this is the Mason building. That's where they used to meet. God is a redeemer. He redeems. And he practically, I mean, he practically gave it to us in a sense He says, we've been praying for a church. And I said, that is wonderful because we've been praying for a building. (laughs) That's how God moves. Not in the seen things, but in obedience. That's how God moves. And most recently, we we got another room for the children's ministry, actually for for the nursery, because we're just growing ourselves a church. We're just babies left and right. So we we need a place for toddlers. So, you know, and, and God provided the room. You know, we just prayed, and, and I kid you not, like a week later, the person that was in that office came up to my wife and said, hey, listen, I'm thinking of leaving. And she did everything to just control herself. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, we love the individual, but, you know, and God was just blessing that person with more. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know what we need, and you go before us. So um, many things, many things. Anyway, um, let's get into our Bible study here. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to 1 Kings chapter 5. 1 Kings chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, I'm sure someone will hand one to you. And if not, where's Kevin at? He's going to take names and numbers of those that don't have their Bibles. 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 13. Yeah, We're all there? You know, the Word of God is powerful. As we go through it, it just leaps out of the pages. And I encourage our congregation to have a Bible to read because God wants to speak to you. And, and as we go through it, it's like, wow, it just comes alive. So it's so important for us to have a Bible in front of us. 
or hey phone, <laughs> those apps. Um, let's pray. It's always good to start with the word prayer. Father, we just thank you. You are so good to us. Lord, you, you love us. You pour out your spirit in us, Lord, and, and Lord, we're so precious to you. I just pray for the people here today, Lord. I just pray that you pour out your spirit upon this place. Lord, that you would meet us where we're at. Lord, that your word goes out powerfully in the power of, of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and, and just addresses those things in our hearts. Lord, that it would encourage us. It would remind us, Lord, that your word is perfect and that it changes hearts. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you that we get to meet here this morning. Lord, as your children, as your church, may you be magnified and glorified, Lord. All honor and glory to you, my King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Chapter 5. 1 Kings chapter 5. Solomon. In chapter 1, Solomon comes into this kingdom that has been prepared for him. God has spoke to his father David many years earlier before he was even born and said, hey, David said, I'm going to build God a house. And you guys know the story. He tells Nathan, Nathan says, do all that's in your heart, David. That's wonderful. Nathan starts walking away. He goes home and God says, you spoke too soon. David cannot build me a house because he's a man of war. But I will build him a house. A royal dynasty. And he goes back and he tells David. David rejoices because he knows what he's saying. He, it's like, wow. When we try to do something for God, God just blows us away. He does so much more. And God told David, it won't be you, but it will be your son. Many years later, you fast forward through many difficulties and so forth. David is sick. He's in, in his bed. He's going to die. And... Time does not allow to tell you all the different things and difficulties that are happening during that time. But suffice it to say that Solomon's own sibling tried to take over the kingdom. When he knew that God had already called Solomon to the kingdom. So God works it all out. It seems like there's this turmoil and so forth. We read it and we're like, wow, what's going to happen? Is he, he's declaring himself king and so forth. And, and you almost think, wow, well, God said this. Is it going to happen? Listen, God was not walking back and forth and saying, is this going to happen? He had spoken his word and his word was going to come to pass. Solomon becomes king. David gives him some instructions in his deathbed. And... One of the things that he had to deal with was with David's previous administration. There were certain men that had been warned and warned and warned and warned during that period of time and shown grace that now that Solomon was there, they were up to their old tricks and they decided to do the same thing. And Solomon, imparting grace upon them, forgave them for rebelling against them. But he warned them. He said, look, you do this again and it's your life. They did it again, and Solomon took care of what his father did not take care of. He had to take care of men that would have destroyed the kingdom, men that would have divided the kingdom. He did what was hard. It was a difficult thing, but he had to do it in order to move forward, in order for God to bless the kingdom. 
And afterwards, he establishes an administration, a government. God gave him godly men to come around him to support him, to govern his people. It is so important that when we do the work of God that we have godly men and women around us. And God will provide those. Because his work is not the work of one man. It's the work of many individuals. And that's what he does. So after he establishes a new administration and he establishes his kingdom, Solomon begins to build this temple which was spoken of many years earlier. And with that, let's begin. Let's read verse 13 through 18. Follow along with me. Then King Solomon raised up a labor force out of Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. There were one month in Lebanon and two months at home. That's a pretty good deal, right? You get to be home two months, one home working, one month uh, working. Adonaram was in charge of the labor force. Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens and 80,000 who queried stone in the mountains. Besides, 3,000... 300 from the chiefs of Solomon's deputies who supervised the people who labored in the work. Labor, labor, we see that. And the king commanded them to quarry large stones. And, and pay attention here. Costly stones and hewn stones to lay the foundation of the temple. So Solomon's builders, Haram's builders, and the Gibeonites queried them. And they prepared timber and stones to build the temple. Prepare, prepare. What we see here is preparation. Preparing to build the temple. Preparing to build for God. There was a preparation process. It is so important that we prepare. We need to prepare before we begin to build for God. It's important that we spend time in the Word. It's important that we spend time with God. It's important that we do our studies. It's important that we have the right heart. We need to prepare before we move forward to build. So important. And listen, notice what it says in verse 17. It says that the king commanded them to quarry large stones, costly stone and hewn stones, to lay the foundation of the temple. Notice that they were costly stones. But why? Why, why do you want costly stones for the foundation? Nobody's going to see it. Who's going to see the foundation? God's going to see it. This is for God. Listen, as they're building, they're building. We've got to remember that this was for God, is to worship God. It was all about God. The purpose of it is that they would have the presence of God there to worship. And they were doing it to the best of their abilities. They were costly stones. When David purchased this hill from Aruna. Aruna tried to give it to him. He said, David, you have it. There was a plague. You guys remember? David counted the people. That was one of his sins, major sins that we see. We saw that in 2 Samuel at the end there in chapter 24. And David said, no. He said, I will pay for it. Why? Because, listen, I'm not going to give to God something that didn't cost me. There has to be a cost. He said, no, that's not, I'm not going to do that. And the foundation is often, oftentimes is something that it's not seen, but the whole structure depends on it, right? 
The whole structure depends on it. Without a good foundation, everything will come tumbling down. And the Bible says, for there's no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 20, 20, 20, I'm sorry, says, speaking of the church, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. He is the capstone. He is the foundation. He is all in all. But also, there has to be a personal cost. When you build for God, when you move out for the Lord, whatever ministry, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever, if it's your marriage, your family, whatever it is, there is a cost. There is a sacrifice. There should be a sacrifice. Anything done for God should be, there should be a sacrifice. There has to be skin in the game. Are you willing to give up everything to serve Jesus? The foundation for the temple was made up of costly stones. And Jesus said, you must count the cost before you begin to build. Count the cost. And as we move into chapter 6, take a look at this here. Solomon begins to build. Verse 1, he says, And it came to pass in the, four, in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Zib, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. I find this so interesting. What's going on here is something so incredible. As the building begins, we see that God redeemed David's greatest sins. What do you mean? When you think of David, what are his greatest sins that come to mind? Bathsheba and the census, right? Those are the, the, the two things that just come to mind flooding into the front of our minds. And what we see here is that the sin with Bathsheba produced Solomon, the king, now who's building the temple. The sin of counting the people, well... Where the plague stopped is where the temple is being built. Where David went up and, and offered his sacrifice to the Lord, the threshing floor of Aruna, Mount Moriah, is the place where now they're building the temple. Amazing. And listen, where God stopped that plague that killed thousands and thousands of people is the same mountain which he stopped the plague of sin. Jesus Christ hung on the cross, paying the debt for your sin and for mine. Same place. He redeemed David's sins. Our God is a redeeming God, amen? And he can take our greatest mistakes, our greatest sin, and turn them around. The Bible says, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. That's our God, a redeeming God. Isaiah 61.3 says, speaking of Jesus, he says, He has sent me to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them, that's you and us, you and me, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
Solomon begins to build in this place. Four years into his reign, he begins to build. He had the wisdom and discernment to know when was the time to build. His father David had given him supplies. He given him plans. He told him, this is how you're going to build. This is what's going to happen. But the timing was of the Lord. He needed to wait for the right timing. And now was the time to build. And listen, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God and know when it's time to move forward and begin to build. We need to be led of the Lord. Be sensitive to the Spirit of God in your life. God moves in impossibilities. He provided Solomon with what he needed for the building of the temple, and he'll provide you what you need to fulfill the work he has called you to. And he always goes before the work. He always does. Know when it's time to build. Solomon knew. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2. Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, and there's going to be a math test at the end. It's width 20, and its height 30 cubits. The vestibule in front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits long across with the width of the house. And the width of the vestibule extended 10 cubits from the front of the house, and he made, and he made uh, for the house windows with beveled frames. Um, just for those that like measurements and so forth, uh, a short cubit is about 18 inches, and long cubit is about 29, 20, I'm sorry, 21 inches. Um, or you can read the NLT, and I'll give you a little bit more clarity on these measurements. Verse 5, and it says, against the wall of the temple, he built chambers all around, against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary and in his inner sanctuary. Thus he made side chambers all around it. The lowest chamber was five cubits wide, the middle was six cubits wide, and the third was seven cubits wide. For he made <clears throat> narrow ledges around the outside of the temple. Why? So that the support beams would not be fastened into the walls of the temple. So Solomon, picture this with me. Well, there's a lot of building going on, right? There's a lot of construction going on. And listen, we can read through this and we're like, oh, man. Everything is, has a purpose to it. He is building, and he is building to the best of his abilities. And right now what he's doing is he built some rooms on the outside of the temple, three stories high, and it's going to tell us that these, storage area, these were storage areas for the treasures of the temple, but notice verse 7, what, he, what the Bible says next. Listen carefully or follow along. It says, in the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry. So that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. That's important. It's important. Everything all these rocks, these precious stones, they were cut outside, they were measured. Everything was done outside. And you know that they were done so precisely that you couldn't stick the blade of a knife in there. There was no mortar used. It was done so perfect. And what's interesting is that when God told David and told Solomon, this is where you build that there was already a stone quarry there. It's almost like God knew, right? 
He prepared the people. He prepared the items. There was relationships that had been prepared. The ground itself was prepared for the work that was coming ahead. It's amazing. He knows. But notice it says there was no hammer or chisel or iron tool heard in the temple while it was being built. It was all done outside. All these stones were cut outside. You know, the Bible says that you and I are living stones. We're just a bunch of blockheads. <laughs> and boy, when we rub against one another, sometimes it's like, ah. 1 Peter 2.4 says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, notice, that's, that's you and I, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In like manner, you and I are being hammered, chiseled, and cut this side of heaven. We're in the rock quarry called earth. And all this pain, all this cutting, all this chiseling has a purpose. We're being prepared and prepare for heaven. One day, though, it'll all end. No more hammering, no more chiseling, no more cutting. Listen to what John writes in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And, and listen carefully to verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And verse 6 says, And he said to me, It is done. It is done. One day will be over. I'll be done. The Bible says in 1 Philippians 6, He says that we can be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You and I are under construction. We're a work in progress. He is working on us. We're being chiseled. We're being hammered. We're being prepared. But notice that Jesus completes his work. He said, it is finished at the cross. And now he says, it is done. He completed the redemptive work of our salvation. And one day he'll say, it is done. No more pain. No more sorrow. We'll be in his presence. New body. New heavens. New earth. We'll be before our king. Well, he continues. Verse 8. The doorway for the middle story was on the right side of the temple. They went up by the stairs to the middle story. And from the middle to the third 
So he built the temple and finished it, and he paneled the temple with beams and boards of cedars, and he built side chambers against the entire temple, each five cubits high that were attached to the temple with cedar beams. Then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David, and I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people Israel. Make a note of verse 11. There's a divine pause there. God stops Solomon. The, the building, here's the temple, it's being built, it's It's incredible. It's magnificent. All these things are being done. There's people excited about God's work, the new work that he's doing, the temple of God no longer traveling to and fro, and, and now it's going to be stationary, and it's, wow, what an incredible thing. There's an excitement in the building, and it looks great and wonderful. And God stops him, and he reminds Solomon that the temple will not determine his blessing upon him. His obedience will. If Solomon was obedient, he will dwell among the people. God reminds Solomon that the building is not the most important part, but his presence is. His presence. Without God's presence, all they had was one big, expensive building. I came in this morning and I saw all these changes in this building. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. This is so awesome. I love to see everything. It's great. But you know what's really, really incredible? Is the people. God's presence here. It is evident. The love that is in this place. Jesus said you'll know them by the love that they have for one another. God's presence, that is the most beautiful place, most beautiful thing here. And everything that we do in a building is for the purpose of worship. It's for the purpose of glorifying God. We're not to get caught up on a building. The building is just a building without the presence of God. Amen? But the purpose is always to glorify God because it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. When that room, those rooms are built, it's so, so the nursery, so the moms can come and worship and, and the kiddos get their start in knowing the word of God and training them up for the next step and so forth, all with the purpose of worshiping God. I think we're going to leave it here. Um, there's so much more, but let me just close with this. I'm going to try to be brief here. We're going to take communion, and um, Ryan's going to come up and, and lead us in that, but God's church is not built on man's intellect, wealth, ingenuity, but on Christ, on faith, on his promises, on his word. We're to make our call and election sure, the Bible says. We're to be those who build upon the rock. He is our foundation. How many churches have started with ample money and backing, but without Jesus? The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. His foundation his foundation. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the capstone. It's all about him. It's all for his glory. The purpose of the building is so we can praise him. It's not about man. It's about God. And 
just quickly, let me share some things that God has shown me. And, he, and as I've gone through this section of Scripture, and, and listen, I, I am learning. It's been a learning process, and I continue to learn. There's been some challenges in church planning, and I certainly don't have it down, but let me just share quickly some things that I've learned through this. One is know that you have been called. What you're calling is Solomon knew that God had called him and what his calling was. You need to know that you have been called and you need to know what you have been called to. If you've been called to worship, then you're the worship leader. If you can call children's ministry, ministry leader. Don't try to be something that God has not called you to. Fulfill what God has called you to. Fulfill your ministry. Know that you've been called and know what you've been called to. Also, we need help. We need one another. Solomon set, set up his administration with godly men he could trust. 1 Corinthians 12, right, speaks of the body of Christ, fingers, toes, hands, and so forth. It's the body of Christ. It's not about one man. Jesus is the head. No one who move forward and begin to build. Be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. God moves in impossibilities. He provided Solomon what he needed for the building of the temple. He'll provide you what you need for the work that he has called you to. Foundation is of most importance. There's no other foundation, none whatsoever, other than Jesus Christ. And there's a personal cost. There's a personal cost. Are you willing to give up everything to serve Jesus. Because you say that, I said that. Listen, this, these are things that I've learned. And then God says, okay, here's an opportunity. Are you willing to? Finally, don't get caught up on a building. A building is just a building without the presence of God. And there's more. As Solomon builds <laughs> the inner sanctuary, the holiest of holy, where does he put it at? Puts it all the way to the rear of the building, all the way to the back of the building, the rear of the temple, the deepest part of the temple. Spend time in the deepest part of your being. Spend time with God. Jesus said, I will build my church. And we're just along for the ride. Amen. Listen, will you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are willing to use the foolish things. Lord, you desire, Lord, to use the foolish things, the base things, to confound the wise. Thank you, Lord, that we get to serve you in this time. And, Lord, there's no little thing to you, Lord. There's just service whether it's greeting, whether it's cleaning, whatever it is, it is all done to you as for the glory of you, my Lord Jesus. And Lord, we, we just praise your name.